shares in a pub. In small country towns, the hotels are often family-owned or part of a group. However, in the Victorian town of Sea Lake, 350 k's northwest of Melbourne, the pub is owned by some of the 640 residents of the town in the heart of the state's wheat belt. Hello, I'm Melina Morrison. I'm CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, or BCCM. The Royal Hotel in Sea Lake is owned by the town's cooperative, and BCCM's Michael Kavanagh, as part of this podcast series, Meet the Co-op Farmers, managed to catch up with two of the driving forces behind the operation. That's John Clossy and Alison McLennan. Well, you know, being such a major cropping area, it's not surprising that both John and Alison are farmers, but it hasn't stopped them and others from getting the co-op up and running. Not only is the pub co-op owned, but the hardware store is a co-op as well. The buying of the pub has led to a buzz around the district, which, as John explained, while, like many small towns, the population is relatively old, the young are getting involved as well. a farming district. A few farmers run, still run a few sheep and it's mainly cropping. Uh, it's all direct drilling and yeah, it's a, it's um, everyone tries, all the farmers and the community sort of bound together and just they live out in farms and we, the people in Sea Lake, we all just gel together. So yeah, it's a pretty good community. It's a very, it's a old community, but we've got a lot of young ones starting to stay back here now, which is good. Alison, you're a farmer as well, and as John mentioned, a small community, something like under a 1,000 people, it must make for, in developing the co-op, which we'll talk about, was it easier because you could get that close community feel? Yeah, certainly. Well, I think one of the great drivers of Sea Lake is having a young base of uh, succession farmers coming through and the real need to make sure that there's a town here for them so they can continue in the future. So, but we have got a very strong community-minded town in Sea Lake. You mentioned succession. So how involved has your family been in the area? Very involved. I suppose if there's if there's a community group or something to be involved in, like John, where we're involved, it's your usual suspects that I call them in a small community that will always throw their hat in the ring. Now, it's a small town, under a 1,000 people in the district, and you've called the Sea Lake Hotel Cooperative Limited. So it makes it sound as though it's a pub that's the co-op. John, is that actually the way the co-op operates? The co-op operates, when we brought the hotel, we brought it as a company because we thought only a few of us would do it. But then once we brought it, the phone started ringing. So when you go at over 20 people, uh, in a company, ASIC fees are that dear. So we've reverted, the building's owned by the company still, and we've reverted into a co-op because we had 40-odd members ring up wanting to um, do. So we've got a, a board of directors, six directors, and we run the, the running of the pub. We don't run the pub itself. We've got a manager, and um, we've leased the kitchen out. So we have a meeting once a month, and the manager gives us a report and and if there's any problems, they ring us up and we just deal with it as we go. It's pretty simple, really. So you've got the Royal Hotel, but it's not just that part of the cooperative. 
what other operations are there that have now become part of the cooperative in the area? We have got another co-op, which is the hardware co-op. A group of us bought the hardware as well because it closed down in 2016, uh, 15. So we couldn't buy a washer in town. So that's how we sort of started it in Sea Lake and we called a meeting and we had 150 people there. And we end up with 68 members in that co-op. And we've, we've um, opened the hardware store up and we've got a manager in there as well. So, but that's a different identity. So it was a different base you could buy in. Um, and um, yeah, and a lot of the older generation come into that and some real young young fellas. So, but yeah, and that that's the, that's the community, that's the way it is. You know, like we've just, we've got people coming into our communities and, and buying businesses and don't know how to run them and then they just close them down and walk away and we were left with nothing so we've taken control so to speak the supermarket's been a, a co-op not a co-op in itself but it's it's community owned as well it's been going on since the 60s and that runs pretty well runs very very well so yeah there's a few groups and there's a shared shop which a few of the community owned people own so we've got our destiny in our hands vote basically that's what we're doing allison you can understand a hardware and if you go into other regional areas there's dairy co-ops meat processing co-ops and banking is quite uh, a part of the old mutuals but a pub why why a pub in what around about 2015 well there was two pubs in town one of them burnt down after um salubrious circumstances and then there was one pub left and it's a magnificent building that was um, cordoned off because of it was falling down in parts. And it was terrible coming into Sea Lake as locals and looking at this building that was just falling down. So there was a mortgagee's auction sign on the door and John was the one, he's the ideas man that I call, I call him, that um, saw that and started getting a few people together. And that basically it was not to leave a building as terrific as what the Royal Hotel is empty, but to bring a bit of life back into the town and make sure that the kids have got somewhere to go so they're not going to these bigger places and experiencing some of the, the stuff that they could experience in, in the bigger towns. What was the reaction of the community? Because, as I say, people could understand being pulled together to become a cooperative for hardware or rural supplies. But when you floated the idea of buying the pub, what was the general reaction? There's a couple of us that we, we sort of we broke into the place and we had a bit of a chat one day. And, and um, so we broke in and, and uh, climbed all through the roof because they all said it was condemned and that. And, and there, wasn't, there was a bit of scepticism. Um, but the ones that were, were a couple of my friends rang up and said, yeah, no, we'll, we'll go with it and do this and, and all this. And, but there's other people standing back and, and um, just watching. And anyway, the, um, I was quite surprised the day we brought the pub that the phone didn't stop ringing. Like I thought to myself, mm, we're in trouble here. We're going to have a big, uh, going to have a big show here I thought myself and it was it ended up that way yeah no it was because with alcohol some people are a bit are a bit skeptic about it they don't want to go that way um so that's why we sort of built it as a family friendly pub and and the restaurant separate from the bar and you can't see that and we actually had um one lady in town who's a good community person 
come up and put money in. She's and and their family sworn off alcohol. She said, if my husband could see me now, I'd be rolling around his grave, you know. So and and she only did it for the community. So terrific lady, John. I've got to ask you. You 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 made the comment that you broke in to the pub. Now I would have thought that owners of hotels have to be of high quality citizenship <laughs> in the town and here you are making decisions based on breaking into a building well you never go in blindfolded do you you got to know what you're in for at the first thing so anyway the door was half kicked in anyway so we just sort of broke in and all the rest was open so we just climbed through it and had a good old look and yeah knew what we were up for then didn't we Alison with the uh, pub itself and the cooperative how different is it to own a pub by the community as a cooperative than the hardware store or other facilities around the town? I think the pub is a lot harder. There's a, a lot more regulations that go with running a pub. There's a lot more tourists and people coming in. So there's an expectation, more of an expectation, I suppose, when you've you've got a pub of your services and your your times opened and and what people will expect when they come into a pub compared to a hardware store so when you go into a hardware store you go in and you know what you're basically getting where coming into a pub is is a different experience it is an experience in itself so it has been an eye-opener definitely has been a, a great thing that has happened for the town the share structure of something like this People can buy into it. Let's let's go to the hardware store. Is that more the traditional? You've you've got so many shareholders in the hardware store, and they bought them. How did you actually set that up and run it so that you've got that cooperative sort of feel? There's a firm over in Swanhill called GMG, and they run a co-op. They run the co-ops. They um they do all the. There's a, it's fairly stringent, so they've got the license to do that. So. We did the buy-in figure on the hardware at a minimum of $500, but the pub was a minimum of five grand. So it was sort of two different. We need more money to do this than what we did with the hardware store. So, And everyone who, no matter, you're only allowed to put up, each uh, each identity is only allowed 10%, any, no more than 10%. So, But you only if you own 10% of it, you still only get one vote. If you own half a percent, you get one vote. So it's all equal. So you can come to the meeting and have your say and you feel a part of it. And, um, yeah, so it's it's structured that no one can take over and run the whole show. And what's done with the surplus? We have different cooperatives around the country. I know of one co-op that's ploughing money back into community, such thing as scholarships for young uh, people to go away study with the idea of getting them back into the town. Others, it goes to the shareholders themselves. For the hardware store, how does the surplus of that operate? So both of them are distributing co-ops. So that means that if there's a, a surplus, well, it goes back to dividend reinvestment or just dividends to shareholders. However, probably for the first five years at least, it's um, putting the money back into the business. That's, that's what you hope to do unless you've got a tax problem. And, yeah, that's the way that we... We run them. You have other cooperatives in other towns that uh, distribute. And with the uh, shareholding, and there's one vote no matter what you own, and 
are they now closed off or can people also trade their shares, whether it be in the pub or in the hardware store? We've had a couple of people in the hardware store that have left the town. So the hardware store has just brought their shares back, um, but no one's ever wanted to get rid of them. You can sell them, but it's only worth the value of what you put in. And the, the value of the shares will only go if we ever sell the business. So that's the security of it all. So someone can't come in and with, say, put five grand in and expect 50 out in the next two two years or three years. So it's a long-term investment. So if, if we someone comes in and offers a lot of money for the pub in 10 years' time and, and we get a 75%, that you've got to have 75% of the of the congregation to say, yes, we'll sell it, we'll sell it. But in our eyes, it's never to be sold. So we hope going forward that we're improving the businesses all the time and the community is going to get a dividend out of it and um, hopefully they can get their money back and they've got a vested interest. But we don't really want to see the businesses sold. I'm Michael Kavner and uh, today I'm talking to John Clossy, who is the chair of the Sea Lake Hotel Cooperative Limited and there's also a hardware involved in another cooperative in the town and Alison McClellan who is the secretary and uh, this podcast part of the Business Council of Cooperative Mutuals series of podcasts looking at co-ops around the country. A pub that's community owned effectively, does it change how you operate dealing with the uh, breweries and other alcohol producers? Not really. Well, we come into it fairly fairly green, but we were lucky that we had other um, publicans in the district that were really great with giving us advice. And I suppose we've just kind of run with that advice and employed a manager now with hospitality experience, so has got a firm grip on, you know, how the business should purchase stock. And the breweries themselves, they just treat that as a another liquor outlet. It's not like they're thinking, oh, goodness me, we're dealing with a community. This is a bit different. We've got a very respectful relationship. We're with CUB and um, I can say that that's been working very well um, from our perspective. And, yeah, this, we're new to it, so we're, we're probably unsure of how other things work for other people. John, you've talked about how the pub itself was in great disrepair and then the community got behind it. How did you get the community? Because obviously people would have had differing views on how the pub is going to have to look later on, how it's going to operate. Once the decision had been made, we're going to buy this pub, we're going to run it as a business, how did you then get all of the different views of the community and make sure that because it sounds like it's got a terrific history in the town itself. Yeah, it has. Um, we basically wanted to keep it the same, just improve it, make it a bit more modern in the rooms and improve the bar and all that, and we've done all that. But we used to have a meeting every Tuesday. The front doors of the bar would be open, and it was, it was just a mess, as you know. It, it was getting renovated. And um, if you want to come to the meeting and have your say, whether you're a shareholder or whether you're not, you can pop in, have a beer, chuck some ideas out there. Everyone listened. We all there for the same reason. So we didn't have an argument while we were doing it. So it was pretty it was pretty good, actually. Like, And then everyone take everything on board and we'd pick the best things out of what we wanted. We had a couple of ladies that Alison was involved that did the colour code and we just said, you do the colours do what you want to do, 
and no one disagreed with the colours because the walls were aqua anyway and the ceiling was baby shit yellow. So, and so they did all the colours and it's, yeah, it's come up really nice. So, so, and, and look, it was, and we had a bloke waltz into the pub. We had a works order on the hotel when we brought it, a seven days works order. And we were doing the back veranda. I, I rang the, um, Shire and I said, I've got to, do I need a permit to do this? Yeah. I said, well, I've got a seven days works order. I said, can I get a permit? Oh, that'll take two weeks. And I thought to myself, well, we're going to, there's going to be a battle here. So we're working out the back and um, this bloke showed up, uh, Reese Payne, and he said, what are you doing? We said, oh, we brought the pub. We've got to fix this. And he said, you looking for anyone? And I said, yeah. I said, um, yeah, we are. What are you doing? He said, I've been the maintenance man out the salt. I said, how long have you been? He said, five years. He said, mum and dad, I'll come back when mum and dad died and I nursed them. And I said, so what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a cabinet maker and um, mechanic by trade. And I said, oh, how much an hour? He said, so much. And I said, oh, yeah, you employed. We never knew he was in town. And now he's a big part of the community, you know. So that's sort of a good story. And we were sitting in the bar there one day and we're debating about the bar and everything. And he just sat there and he said, I'll make you the best bar in Australia. And I said, well, the job's yours. That's done. And it is. We think it is. But anyway, it's nice. So, you know, and, and and that's the type of people we've dug up, you know. So, and the employment of different people in the in the community, it's been great. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a good story. So it brought everyone together. How do you find, given the fact that probably the person sitting in the bar, whether it be on a Saturday afternoon or uh, on an evening during the week, how do you find the fact that they've probably got a view on what is their business? Do you find people are a lot more forthcoming on how the um, pub should be run? Uh, no. No, they, they, they don't interfere. Um, we have an annual general meeting every year, and if they want to come in and ask a few questions, but they're pretty trusting um, and they can see the business is getting run well. And we've got a manager there that's really just stepped up, so everyone's everyone's happy. But they're just happy that it's open too, and you can see the locals that are involved They'll bring their friends in and they'll show them upstairs and get a key to the room and show them the rooms and they've got a bit of pride instead of a cage around it like Sea Lake's dying, you know. Now it's starting to thrive and, yeah, so it's good. It's good for the community. It gives them a bit of sense of pride and as one bloke said to me, he said, I never used to tell anyone where I was from because it was dying. Now I'm proud to be from Sea Lake, so it's good. Alison, uh, the hardware, is it run differently to the way that John was just talking about, there's probably, in a way, a little bit more community interest in uh, the day-to-day and how the pub looks. They probably walk past the hardware and don't think about it in the same vein. Yeah, probably. I think um, the the hardware's just kind of run itself. There's people that are, you know, still very proud that they're a part of it and it's like the pub. They'll come in and I'm a shareholder and that's a that's a great thing for people to say that they're involved in two businesses. But, um, yeah, the hardware is a lot different to what the pub is. As I understand it, they're two separate co-ops. Was that a, a business decision or you just felt that even though they're community-owned, community-run with managers, why did you keep them as separate co-ops? It's very, very hard to raise money in a co-op to, to buy another business. So especially when you've got the payment structure. So you're a bit off starting afresh because you've already got already got your structures there and you're a bit off starting afresh and and um and going again because you got your 
you got your values of your shares and everything like that. So it just gets a bit messy. So we decided to go the other way and yeah, and it's, and some of the people that are in the hardware store wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be able to afford to, to put another five grand in or 10 grand in and, and, and build the next one. And, and, and I don't want to do that either. Like there's some people that don't, you know, we didn't want to offend anyone or anything like that. So we just said, here it is. It's open. If you want to come in, it's, there it is. Put an ad in the paper and, yeah, why it went. You mentioned that uh, a couple of people left town and then therefore sold their shares. Is there a restriction on when it comes to having shares in either the hardware or in the pub? Is there a restriction on do they have to live in the area or they can uh, be elsewhere and have an interest? Uh, no. The, we've got an, an oncologist in Geelong that um, he was born here, his father's stock agent, and um, and he's put money in. Um, he come down, he, he heard about it, so he come and had a walk through and, and put money in. And we've got a, bl- a bloke from Drysdale who delivers fuel here, and he's put money in. Yeah, so you don't have to be a local, and you don't have to live here. Some did for, yeah, sentimental reasons. Some did to support the town. It was um, very surprising. That, I suppose, made you um, proud to be uh, members of the community. Do you find that with the co-op, the fact that you've got an oncologist that doesn't live there but has obviously very strong family roots, is that also an aspect of people wanting to keep, not just the pub but the hardware? You, you, you want people to shop locally and not travel to the larger centres, which these days probably only uh, a 20-minute drive. Yes, that, that that's right. And all our younger generation before we did this, we've, We've got a lot of them, um, and they were going to Swan Hill for nightclubs and go in the pub there. And so after they played cricket or football, they wouldn't come back to our community and they'd be elsewhere. And, and that's when you start to lose them. In nightclubs and that, there's a lot of different scenarios that goes on. So we, we were exposing our kids to that, that, that scene. And um, we thought, well, we could build something for them and for them to enjoy maybe they'll stay. So we've had 21sts and 18ths and and um, 70ths and we've had a wedding here and we've had cocktail parties. We've had a 40th, a 60th. So, and they all just, yeah, they all have it here now. So it's, so it's great. And it gives them, yeah, because it's a nice place to be. And yeah, and look, the kids go away to Swanwell every now and then, but not like what it was, you know, like you come in here on a Saturday night after cricket and the joint's packed. So, and yeah, they just stay there and have a few beers and yeah, it's good. So we've, we've actually got a courtesy bus that we can run people around and, yeah, so just just try to bring the community together and it's, it seemed to be working. John, you just mentioned how you've got the courtesy bus, you've had birthdays and uh, after cricket the place is jumping. Is there also that sense that in running the pub that you do have to have the community in mind? It's not just a money-making venture? Yeah, yeah. We, we've gone into the pub. Our first our first scenario was our first meeting. We're not here to make money. We're here to have a business for the community, and if it makes a profit, good and well. And everyone who was told put money in, don't expect a return. Um, and we're just lucky that it is making money um, because it's, yeah, we've got some good directors. We've got some good community people. Um, everything's in place properly, but... Um, yeah, no, it wasn't about money. It was about community and about what we could do. Alison, it must be interesting. You're turning to potential shareholders and saying, oh, by the way, we want you to stump up the cash, but don't expect um, a, a profit. It, that also probably 
helped you get that community feel? Yeah, definitely. Like, there's not an expectation from people locally that they are going to get something out of it. They want to see their community go forward and thrive, but not necessarily expect a return. So that's a great attitude that most people around here have got. If you don't do it yourself, you can't expect anyone else to come in and do it for you. So that's the way to see like community roles. I'm Michael Kavner from the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. Today, talking to John Clossy, who is a farmer and also the chair of the Sea Lake Hotel Cooperative Limited and the secretary of the cooperative, Alison McClellan, also a farmer when they're not running hardware stores and also pubs. Alison, you say that uh, John is the ideas man. So you've got the pub running successfully. You've got the hardware. What other ideas are you kicking around with a small community that seems to be really, for want of a better description, punching above its weight? Yeah, well, that's a question that you'll have to um, ask John because I've got no idea what runs through his head sometimes. So so he's the one who thinks about all these things, um, comes up with grand plans, and then Sometimes, not all the time, he'll run it past me and say, what do you think about this? And it was the same situation with the pub when he had this great idea for the pub and said, I'm not going to be a part of it because it's just too big. I think you've just gone too big this time. And, um, yeah, it's all kind of falls into place. I don't know how he does it, but he manages to come up with these grand schemes and they everything falls into place but he does have people behind him that <laughs> balance him out a bit john what are the other ideas that you think that sea lake with co-ops the pub and the hardware it is a small community is there any other things that you could possibly be looking at and base on what your experiences are so far um yeah look we there's a corner shop up there that make a great spot for a bakery. Now, because of COVID, it's sort of, you know, sort of been on the back burner a bit. And there's also a project that I've been working on for a while, a butcher shop. So it's, um, so in New South Wales, you've got paddock to plate. So you can get a, a mobile butcher to kill your meat on your place and put the LA, put the um, pink stamp on it, and then you can sell them in butcher shops. So We've had a few of farmers, like we've, there's a lot of feedlots out here. So we've got cattle and pigs and and um, sheep and that feedlot. So we just thought, well, why don't we why don't we do that? Paddock to plate, you know, butcher shop. So you know it's locally produced and it's the best meat you can get. And you can have grass fed or grain fed or, but yeah, it's, but COVID sort of slowed everything down because everything sort of stop, start, stop, start. So you know, there's there's other projects out there you can do, but also going back to what Alison said, you know, like she said, no, I'm not going to be involved, and I said to her, you will, you know, you will, you know, you will, you'll just when it starts, you'll jump in. Anyway, when we brought the pub, she was in, so you never say never. Bit of strong arming there. Do you find that um, people that would have automatically thought about the uh, hardware as a co-op? This is in the community, as, and as I think it was John told story about one family would uh, have never have crossed the threshold of a pub uh, in previous years. The community, it, are they still surprised that there is this avenue to own a pub as a co-op and 
John's talking now about bakery and um, the butcher shop. Is there also this sense of community where they're going, yeah, let's keep going and do other co-ops? Yeah, yeah. Like John said, with the COVID situation, it's been uh, very tricky because people's mindsets have changed a lot. You know, you have some people that have lived in fear over the last couple of years about, you know, they're all going to die and and stuff like that. So it's trying to get people's heads back in the space that, yeah, we are a community and we can go forward and, and create new businesses. But, yeah, that might take a little bit of time. They're happy with what we've got, definitely happy with what we've got. However, um, yeah, it was a great unknown, the fear factor of COVID and, yeah, just not knowing what's going to happen going forward. But I'm not adverse to the idea of bringing something else into the community for sure. Is the pub ownership structured in such a way that um, it could go and invest, say, in a, in a coffee shop or a bakery or a butcher, or would that require it's got to be a separate entity, John, and it would then be, once again, another co-op? I think it would have to be a separate identity because we've been doing renovations still on the pub. Like last year we renovated another seven rooms and now we've got another wing where we the plans are going forward. We're going to, we're going to put rooms in there and um, with en-suites. So we really want to reinvest in the pub and make it a better place and get more people coming through through Sea Lake to the community and and stuff like that. So we we just we on the weekend we're doing a bit of a work and be and putting a disabled toilet in. So because we're an older generation, people with walkers and you've got to walk up the stairs to go to the pub. So we really need the the money that we're generating to put back into our business at the moment. So but yeah, I, I if we did do it the next twelve months or so, it, it'd probably be a separate identity, I'd say. That's an interesting point you raise there. You, you use the term about a working bee. The fact that you've got a business, and even though you say, look, don't expect a great windfall if you're shareholders, you still want to make a quid and turn it over. But that's an interesting aspect that you can actually get the community in. And to be frank, it's unpaid labour, uh, but it gives it a, a greater community feel, that feel of a cooperative. Yeah, well, it was interesting, um, Michael, when we actually brought the pub and it was just a mess there was rubbish everywhere so we put an ad in the paper said we're going to have a work and be if your shareholder or not show up i think 70 or 80 people showed up we took out 28 truckloads of rubbish and so we yeah we put a barbecue on for them being they all finished at dinner time you know like it was it was amazing that the amount of interest that was in the in the place so yeah and and now we just put out if you have a work and be to knock some walls down they just show up so it's good that gives them a sense of pride and they want to know what's going on and what's the next project and, yeah, so they can tell everyone else, I suppose. Alison, the hardware, it must be interesting because these days hardware's a major change. It's very unusual, whether it be a small country town or a, a, a suburb in uh, one of the major cities, Melbourne, Sydney. There's very few hardwares that are individually owned with the hardware there, is it also still part of a wider buying group? Yeah, it is. We're part of the Danks Metcash. So that's our buying major buying group. However, we do have other um, companies that we, we buy off. It's We're never going to compete with Bunnings and places like that. However, it's in town, so people have to travel out of town to 
save a couple of dollars that they think they're saving by going to a place like Bunnings, whereas it's actually quite cost effective just buying everything in Sea Lake. We've got everything there from timber, plaster, we can get white goods, um, plumbing supplies, so uh, down to dog food, dog collars and stuff like that. So yeah, we've got the supply there for to keep the whole community happy farming and Sea Lake Urban customers. John, it's called the Royal Hotel. And I think if you go to a country town in Australia, you can list the inevitable names of pubs. There'll be a railway. I've even been in a town where there's a railway hotel and there's no railway. The Vic, that's another one, the Australian, and the Royal. And you've been talking about that, and it's a fine balance that you've obviously got. You want it for the community, but then you want people to be coming through and uh, staying there and spending their money in a wider sense. The name, the Royal, it's got that old world feel about it is that what you're finding when you got the pub up and going that those people that are traveling previously would have gone just straight through sea lake are starting to look at that stopover to enjoy what was kind of a yesteryear feel as well yeah we are um the, the royal always had a name it used to be called the royal garden hotel um i can't remember his first name but his last name was garden and he he built it um, back in the 1900s and um, one stage the garden fell off the facade so they changed it to the royal the royal's still there so um, but yeah we do we do get people coming back and 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 stopping and staying and having to like ex-locals and yeah we've had an ex-local come in at the last minute and he yeah he put in money he wanted to put in money and yeah, he comes up and stays and brings his friends and yeah, no, you do see a lot of a lot of people coming through town and staying and having a look around and yeah. And also the manager's doing such a good job with the rooms and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, she's on booking.com and what if and all that. So yeah, it's it's out there and we are getting more and more traffic. So it's it's really, really been surprising. Really been surprising. You're talking about restoring certain rooms. It's got a history. Is it a building that First of all, you've got to make sure it still stays in harmony with the rest of the town. But are there also, in any of the work that you do, when you, for example, kick the door in to go and have a look in the first place, are you governed by heritage ruling as well for the town? Uh, no, there's, there was a heritage overlay on it, which only means colour on the outside. And the heritage colour that was supposed to be and what it was was totally two different things. So really doesn't come into it um, and we really don't change the rooms we just doll them up and make them look a lot better and fresher and yeah because it's all double brick and it's all old plaster and so it's all cracked and everything so we just do all that and yeah we try and keep the high ceilings people love the high ceilings so yeah we don't try and change too much. Alison, how important has it been for the town because you go through some towns and uh, particularly I look at this one of the things that struck me is a lot of the time that you're building up the pub would have been during um, tough times during the drought given the history of small towns and withering and dying at any stage do you think goodness me what on earth are we doing oh sometimes when we were doing some of the renovations and it was such a such a massive job however you just get on with it. It doesn't matter whether you're having a, a drought or you're having a flood. It's it's probably a, 
a good sideline just to keep you occupied doing something something different. But um, yeah, I think the way that the whole pub's been done and everyone's input and how tasteful it is, it's really good. It doesn't matter, you know, tourists, locals alike, they come in and it's got a really good feel to the pub. Are people aware when they come into the pub that it's community owned, it's a cooperative or is there any sort of indication how it is slightly different to most pubs, whether they be owned in the city or in the country? Most of our, um, on our website and on our on advertisements and that we have proudly community owned and operated. Um, so yeah, the, it is fairly well known and people who, who don't know that come in and go, oh wow, this is a lovely pub. And probably the first thing that we go in and say is, oh, it was purchased by the community and it's been redone by the community. And people are just so surprised and yeah, their expectations are just, wow, I can't believe that a small town's done something like this. It's great. John, Alison, here you are. I'm talking to you earlier in the morning and um, you're at a cafe at breakfast. Would that be, you talk about the bakery, you've got the hardware, the butcher, you reckon that um, it's definitely helping the town be able to be able to offer up something, not 24 hours a day, but there is that feel in the town that there's all these things that can be done. It just needs the community to be working together. Yeah, it can be done. It just yeah, it just takes time and effort. And um, if people want something, they um, know they can put their hand in their pocket and help out. And um, also, it all creates jobs too. So we've got young families in our community that stayed because we've got them jobs. Um, the pub employs all local people, so does the hardware. Um, so, yeah, and, and we've brought a chef out of Melbourne and we've leased the kitchen to him and, and he's moved here and he's got a business partner with him. And then we've had other other people move into town because they're working in the kitchen and same with the bar. We've got a manager out of Melbourne. She lives in Sea Lake now and and the hardware's got a wife and a couple of kids and, and another lady that's got a baby. And, yeah, so it just creates a bit of sense of family and community. So, and that's what we got to do to survive. And then, Alison, you just keep John under rain, do you, when he's coming up with all these ideas? Do you sometimes roll your eyes and think, oh, where's this one going? Oh, constantly, <laughs> constantly. All credit to him. He's got the most enthusiastic um, attitude when it comes to the community and you can't knock that lot. John's really big into the into the footy club as well. Yeah, but his brain just doesn't stop ticking and I'm probably the leveller when it comes to some of his ideas, but usually he gets them through anyway. Do you find that there are other communities coming to and talking to and say, look, we know the traditional cooperative, we're now looking at possibly, yeah, we might buy the pub or we might buy the cafe? Yeah, we've had Lockington come over. They Their community brought the pub, so they want to know the structures and everything like that, and they've done it. Yeah, so we've given them a bit of a heads up and how we went about it. And our biggest thing, what we, we tell communities, if they do it, get the young ones involved. That's the secret. Don't have the older people with who've got, some have got a lot of money and some are pretty comfortable, but get the young ones involved and make sure they put their hands in the pocket and make sure they have a say because that's the future. We'll be gone sooner or later and they'll still be here. So that's the secret of a community, getting your youth to... to put back into the community and make them start young 
and they realise what it's like. Do you find that, uh, in fact, the there's been a resurgence of cooperatives? Do you have to explain to the younger people how a cooperative works? Oh, I haven't. Alison might have, but I haven't. Um, I think they they basically know how it works. Yeah, it's it's not a hard concept to come up with. So yeah, explaining it isn't difficult at all. Well, John, Alison. We really appreciate your time with the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. It's a town with a little bit of a difference when it comes to cooperatives. It's got the traditional with the hardware and uh, then the pub and by the sounds of it, it's not finished there. No, with a bit of luck, um, it won't be finished. But um, if I, we keep Alison in tow and get her told what to do and, and she puts a lot of hours in behind the behind the scenes doing all the book work. So Alison does all the books by herself and, and doesn't get paid for it. And so and that's, you know, like that's a pretty big effort. She enjoys that sort of stuff, I think. I don't know. And everyone just chips in and does their bit and it's good. So that's what you've got to do in a, in a small community. Do your bit and make it a better place. And what has been really good too is that there's we've given to support to other communities with their cooperatives and hopefully giving them a bit of an idea of of what we do and that they can do the same thing too. Alison McLennan is one of the driving forces behind several cooperatives in the small Victorian town of Sea Lake, where the ideas are good for young and old. A great way to go, Melina. Head to the hardware store to buy what's needed for the job, build up a thirst completing that project, then you could quench the thirst by heading to another cooperative that is the town's Royal Hotel. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers. If you'd like to know anything about setting up or running a successful agricultural cooperative, you can find out everything you need to know at the Co-op Farming website. That's www.coopfarming.coop. That's right, C-O-O-P for cooperative. Please share this with your mates. If you enjoyed this story, we really do want to get the great stories of farming cooperation out there. And remember, in a troubled world, with all of the challenges but also the opportunities we have, we really are better together. I'm Melina Morrison and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers.